Hello, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. Thank you so much for coming back and joining me today for the second half of my conversation with Martha Warmoth. If you didn't get to catch last week's episode, you will definitely want to go back and listen to hear the story of her beautiful daughter, Allison, and the very practical tips she shared for surviving the early years of child loss. Today, our conversation covers issues of forgiveness, both for others and for yourself, dealing with the sometimes awkward things people say, finding opportunities to serve others, and the mighty movement with which she's become involved. We will pick up today's conversation right where we left off last week. So in light of what happened to Allison, I imagine the issue of forgiveness has been a big part of your grief journey. Uh, Would you like to talk about that? Sure. Again, I had a nephew that said to me, and bless his heart, he's a missionary in a difficult land right now, and and, uh, we love him. But early on, he said to me, you need to forgive the driver. And I was kind of like shocked that he would say, this is maybe two weeks after the funeral. Wow. And, you know, it's a good suggestion, but it wasn't good timing. (laughs) Right. Yes. And there's um, a scripture that um, I would point to and a scripture um, that I'm re- remembering and um, was aware of is Matthew six fifteen. That's actually fourteen and fifteen. Mm-hmm. I'll just go to fifteen. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. God's pretty clear about that, right? Yeah. And it's not that He wants to be mean to us. It's not that he doesn't want to forgive our sins. He absolutely wants to forgive us. But he's trying to get the message across how important it is to forgive and to not hold resentment and to hold unforgiveness because he knows it's just going to hurt us. Right. But I knew it was going to take time. Like at two weeks after her funeral, I didn't even know for sure everything that had happened. Yeah. I'd been told right away that it was not our daughter's fault because you know there would be that question you know did our daughter do something that caused this to happen but we knew from the boston police that it had not been her fault at all Uh, but we didn't exactly know what happened and i just am the kind of person i need to know all the details so that i know what i have to forgive right yeah yeah and um Right. So I, I knew it was going to take time for me to process that and then time for me to God, for the Lord to give me the grace to forgive that person. I went to a lady in my Bible study. We're in the Bible study fellowship there in um, Murfreesboro. There's a, one of my Bible study members in our small group did a, a workshop about forgiveness And uh, I think, as best as I can remember, the points that she was making was that forgiveness is possible, that forgiveness is essential, and that forgiveness is non-negotiable, that God 
wants us to forgive. And she went into detail about how it's for our own good, you know. And it was really a really great workshop. And I was sitting in the back and I was appreciating this workshop. And at one point, the tears are running down my eyes, down my face, down my cheeks. And she said, no, and there's probably... 150, 200 people in the room. <laughs> so she probably didn't see me, I don't think, sitting in the back there with these tears running down my face. And she said, now, if this brings up strong emotions for you, you probably haven't really dealt completely with something that you need to forgive. Wow. And I realized, yeah, that's true, that's true. But it doesn't happen overnight, you know. It's a process. Sometimes you, it takes a long time till you're able to forgive. And it doesn't mean that you're saying what the person did was okay. Right. Or that they should have done it. It just means really, for me, God gave me the grace to forgive that driver. And it took a long time. We were actually negotiating with the company and there's a lot of things that we did for street safety after our daughter died and we were negotiating with the company for 15 things that would require them to be safer than they were when she was killed yeah and i knew before we went for that negotiation that i needed to forgive the driver and that was not my timing. I felt like I needed a little more time. Oh, sure. <laughs> but I yeah. knew God would want me to forgive him and express it to him. And, you know, I've never, ever, even at six years, heard a word from him mm. of asking, will you forgive me, or I'm sorry, or I hope you're okay. Not a word, not a word. And our lawyer kind of told us that not to expect anything at first, you know, in those early days when we were negotiating, that his lawyers wouldn't want him to say anything. Right. But sure. he still, it's been years, and yeah. he's never expressed it, anything. And I'm just okay with that. I, I hope someday I'll hear from him. But so, but I knew from God that he expects us to forgive. He wants us to. And then it was my time that I needed to, whether I wanted to or not, right. <laughs> right right, then, you know. So I wrote him a letter, and I wrote how, uh, gave him, giving him a picture of who our daughter was and what yeah. she meant to us and all of these things. And in the end, I said, you know, that I, I forgave him. And I know that would please the Lord. Well, my friend read that letter, and she said, oh, this is way too harsh. <laughs> And uh, so I, I didn't feel it was too harsh at all. I thought it was the truth and that it yeah. wasn't like he just bumped my car fender. You know, I mean, this was a serious thing that he did. And I wanted him to understand what it meant. And But she said, oh, this is way too harsh. And so I rewrote it a couple times. And I ended up just talking a little bit about Allie, that Allie cared about people and she cared about everybody and yeah. she would care about him mm, yes. and that she would want me to forgive him that so that 
I forgive him. Wow. And I hope that he, that God gave us strength to walk this walk and to survive this grief. And then I hope that he would be able to turn to God and really have a close relationship with God that would help him through his difficult times. Mm-hmm. And I signed it and I sent it and um, I'm glad that I did. Yeah. It was helpful. Yeah. You know, it's only by the grace of God that you can do something like that, especially for someone who, you know, has not, as far as you know, accepted your forgiveness or responded to your forgiveness. But for you to be able to say, I I did that and I'm glad I did it. And, you know, that's, that's a gift from God to be able to do that. It is. It is. Yeah. Sometimes God, like, you don't want to, but if you ask him to pour out his grace and his mercy on you so that you can forgive, mm-hmm. isn't God faithful? It might not happen that minute, but with time, right. I found that he does. Yes. There's another thing about forgiveness. I felt that I needed to ask God to forgive me for not being obedient. And see what happened with our daughter a few years before she passed away. God put on my heart that I should write her a letter and just talk to her about getting right with God and being closer with Him. And I intended to write it. And usually I think of myself as not being slow to obey. Like I try to be obedient when God puts something on my heart, but I am a paper procrastinator. (laughs) And if I have to do something involving paper, I am a big procrastinator. And I also knew that my daughter was so intelligent that it had to be the perfect words, Mm. right? And I just didn't have the perfect words. So this was over the course of a few years, honestly, that I knew I had to write her. And when she passed away, I had my letter halfway done. And I learned from that. When God tells you to do something, I don't know if it would have saved her. The Greek counselor says it wasn't the lack of a letter that why she died, right? was it? She said it was because the driver was not paying attention. He should have been looking for her and looking for people on the street. And he wasn't. And he, that's, that's why she died. But I had not been obedient, and I probably knew then. I don't know, but I certainly know now. If I would said to myself, I need to write my daughter a letter because God's putting this on my heart, and I went in my room, and I shut the door, and I said to the Lord, I'm not coming out, Lord, until you give me just the right words to say. He should, would have surely given them. I know he would. He's faithful, and um, I would have had just the right words to say, so I didn't need to wait to think up the right words. I just Mm -hmm. need to act and ask Him and obey. And so I've kind of taken that into my life since then. If there's something that needs to be said or done, I try to act on it when God gives the idea, even though maybe the person that 
is involved isn't necessarily going to love that I brought it. <laughs> and I find so oftentimes, like, it's just the right thing, that they may really, really be glad, you know, about it. But I just, I try, and God tells me something to act on it. So I felt like I needed to ask God's forgiveness. And so... In time, I prayed and asked God to forgive me for not writing that letter when he put it on my heart. And you know what? This is, I keep referring to, this is weird, isn't it? This is weird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I prayed and asked the Lord to forgive me, I had the sense from him that he forgave me and he, with joy. Yeah. Like he forgave me with joy. That is the last thing I expected. I mean, I knew God would forgive me, but with joy, like mm. I've not even heard those two connected in yeah. the past before. Yeah. We have a, a good God. Yes. Yes, we do. I love that. He forgave you with joy. I haven't heard that put together like that either, but I love that. That just that gives me joy just to think about that. I love that. And I love that you are so honest about, you know, well, forgiving the driver and then and forgiving yourself. Because I think so many of us as bereaved parents, there's things that we feel like we can't forgive ourselves for. And it varies from person to person, depending on the circumstance and and what happened. But it's, I love the idea uh, of knowing that we can ask God for forgiveness and that he will not only forgive, but he will forgive with joy. I hope that encourages someone who maybe is struggling with that to, to ask God for that forgiveness. And so often uh, people who've had a major loss like this uh, of losing a child or losing someone that they are very close to will feel guilty for something. Oh, if I'd only taken them to the doctor sooner, if I'd only done this better if I'd only, if only, if only, right? Right. And a grief counselor said that people who are grieving will feel guilty about something. Said even if you don't have anything at all to feel guilty about, that's right. Uh, you will find something. <laughs> you will make something up. Yep. It's almost like a stage of grief. They talk about the different stages of grief, and that should have been in there, the guilty, the guilt stage. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, because it's such a common thing for bereaved parents to go through. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people often feel awkward around a parent that has lost a child because they just don't know what to say. Think about it. What were some of the maybe least helpful things that were said to you after Allie died? And how did you deal with those things? And then I always kind of like to bring it back in a positive way. What were some of the most helpful things that people said or did? I was very fortunate that there were very few unhelpful things that people said to me. But one was I had a relative who said several times, that God needed another angel. Oh, no. And, you know, when you're in grief, you're so sensitive. Yeah. And that just did not feel right. And I didn't say anything to her the first time she said it or the second time she said it. But by about the third time, you know, over a course of many months, 
I just asked her, please don't say that anymore. Because that just isn't helping me. And um, I love what I learned in uh, another thing in Grief Share was they said to give people grace. Like people are going to say the wrong thing. And most of the time, they're just trying to help. They don't know what to say. They're, they're trying to make you feel better as best they can. And they make a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, they make a mistake. And we probably have made mistakes in the past, they said. You know, all of us have probably said the wrong thing to somebody. And if we haven't done it in the past, we probably will say it in the future. Yes. So try to give people grace when they do that. The most helpful thing was, uh, for me, is if someone hears about what's happened, if they say to me, I'm sorry, that's really all that I need. (laughs) I don't need anything big and long, just an I'm sorry. And sometimes a hug with the I'm sorry is so helpful and so healing. Yes. But again, everyone's different. And I've been in grief groups where someone said, oh, I just hate when people say I'm sorry. Yes. Uh-huh. So uh, you just, you never know with a grieving person what is going to be helpful to them. Right. But a listening ear usually is the best. What do you think? Absolutely. Uh, a listening ear is wonderful. And I've also heard people say that they hate it when someone says, I'm sorry, that never bothered me. But you know, the thing is, we grieving people are, it's hard to know what to say to us, because sometimes one thing is helpful. And then, you know, the next day, it may not be helpful. So I I have to give people a lot of credit just for being brave, just for trying. (laughs) Even though sometimes, you know, it may be a little awkward and uncomfortable when they speak to us, and they try to help us, at least they're trying. Right, right. I think when they talk about, when they say, is there anything you need? Or call me if there's anything you need. And most of the time, people don't know what they need in grief right. because they're, you get that brain fog we, we talked about. And you just can't even think about what you need. And so I've heard suggested that maybe you make a suggestion to the person, you know, would you like me to come and trim your hedges? Or would you like me to cut your lawn or shovel your, could I come and plow your driveway if it's snowy, you know? Yeah. Just suggest something. Or I've even heard people say, just just do something. I don't know. I think I would want to be asked first before they do it, most perhaps. But yeah, there's there's all kinds of things that people really do need help with, but they are too overwhelmed to ask. I needed help with uh, my thank you cards to people that sent flowers to the the funeral home. Yeah. And I a lot of them didn't even have addresses and I didn't know those people. My daughter lived in Boston, but we didn't. I didn't even know where to send the thank you card, but I felt that it was important for me to send them. I'm sure they would have understood if they hadn't gotten one. And so there were a couple of friends that took the card that came with the flowers and searched down if they could, who it was, who to, where yeah. to write. And they wrote 
the card, thank you card, and I actually had kind of dictated a neutral card that was kind of generic and they could fix it for an individual person. Yeah. And um, that was so helpful because I don't know about for you, Jill, but for me, every time I wrote a thank you card, it brought to my mind that my daughter had passed away. Yes. And it was like a dagger to my heart. <laughs> Absolutely. And yes. so to not have to write those thank you notes, all of them, I still wrote, you know, a good number, but that was a really big gift for me. Yeah. That's a wonderful gift that those friends gave you with that. That's amazing. It's a good thing for, for people to keep in mind of a way, a very practical way that they can help others. And I know you have found strength for your journey by, by helping others. Uh, talk about that a little bit. What opportunities have you had to help others? Like I say, in the early days, there was, I was, you know, just barely able to, you know, cook a meal, go to the grocery store. We were in a different town than I was used to shopping. I had so much brain fog. My husband, we'd go to the grocery store and he'd say, what do you want to buy? And I would, I have a food allergy anyway, which makes it more difficult. And I would look and I'd be like, I have no idea what I want to buy. So fortunately, my daughter had some frozen meats and different things in her freezer. And I did buy some things, but it, it was not easy. But with time, I was able to heal and could do more. And um, I really think of these people that have to go to work right away. It's amazing to me that they can do that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were both retired, so we didn't have that to do, but we did have a job to do, and it was what God had us to do. So we knew right away that there needed to be um, something done to make the street safer. So we did work on that, and God gave us the grace to do that. Um, also, at time, we went to a grief conference, a national grief conference, and when I went there, and I think it was 2018, so a couple years after my daughter had passed away, and I found that it wasn't a Christian grief conference. And I found that I went away. We went away so sad. Mm. It was like so obvious that there wasn't hope offered. And I said to my husband, like, my group back in Murfreesboro, they need to put on a conference, a Christian conference you know, there's no way I could do it, yeah. but they should do it. <laughs> and, um, but it kind of, I don't know, I probably mentioned it to them and it didn't go anywhere. They have busy lives and sure. nothing ever happened. Uh, but in uh, 2020, in the midst of uh, COVID, God put it strongly on my heart that there needed to be a Christian grief conference and you even allowed me to tell people about it on sure. while we're waiting. Yeah. That was so nice. And so we planned it small so we could stay safe. And our church didn't approve for any groups to come and do things because they were being asked a lot to allow their group people's groups to come. But they um, allowed us to come uh, to my church and... We had a small Greek conference, and God gave all the ideas, and it was amazing. Uh, it was a two-day conference. So I had healed enough by then, and when God just kept 
you know how he can keep after you about something. Yes. Um, and I told you, I tried to obey and listen. <laughs> so, uh, and it was really a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so, and then another thing about a year later, we did um, a garden get together for grieving people. Mm. And again, it was small and it was in this beautiful garden a friend of mine has. It was, you know, grief oriented and we had a craft and we just had, you know, it was just a beautiful, beautiful time. So that's something I just have such a heart for grieving people. Like I said, sometimes I'll call somebody if they would like a call and talk to them and kind of get them started. You know, a couple calls just kind of get you started on sure. the road in the right direction. And then um, most recently, I'm training to be a hospice volunteer. Oh, wow. And I don't know what all that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it would just be with grieving people in whatever way the you know they have a grief counseling center at hospice in Murfreesboro and I actually saw one of their counselors years ago and it was so helpful so I didn't know how they would use me with that but just open to however God wants to use it you know from a Christian perspective so I'm looking forward to that yeah, sounds like God has given you lots of different opportunities and and you've been willing to step forward and take them. Actually kind of reminds me of Allie. Once she set her mind to something, she accomplished it. And, you know, God put these things on your heart to do this grief conference and to do the gathering at the garden. And you followed through and, and did those things. And, you know, I know just from what we do that you know, we do those to help other people, but we are so helped ourselves when we follow through and do those kinds of things. So I know that you were blessed by both of those opportunities. Yes. And, you know, you say that, and that's true. Like, I always feel like, you know, God is so good. And when we reach out, we really sacrifice to help someone else that he helps us in some way, you know, too. Yes. But at the same time, I mean, it's very painful to prepare mm-hmm. for one of these things yeah. sometimes. Like, I've done a couple speaking engagements, and it brings up things all new again in a yes. way, almost new. Sure. And um, that, that really touched me, Jill, when I was preparing for this, and I listened to your uh, podcast about the tyranny of dates and yeah. all those dates in February and how painful that is and just constantly preparing for grief like I know it's healing but at the same time people don't realize what a sacrifice someone's mm-hmm. making when they do it because there's yeah. also the pain that comes with it yeah so I yeah. thank you you, you've been so kind to help people, and I know it's cost you a lot. Yeah, well, thank you. There is a cost. There, there certainly is a cost. But, you know, you know how God just takes things and just, just transforms them and, and makes something beautiful out of them. And, you know, I think he does that with our pain and that, that cost that we have to pay, you know, the cost that we pay is nothing compared to the cost that, that God paid, um, when he sent Jesus to die for our sin. And, you know, um, I just get such a blessing from 
doing the things that I do and, and the things that God has given me the opportunity to do that, um, I think you and I both, both have experienced that, that joy. And, uh, that's a, that's a real gift from God. So kind of as we wrap up here, um, when you came to our retreat, you know, when, as people are here and they're kind of sharing our, their stories, I always take notes and I wrote down something you said back in 2018 when you and I met and it really struck me. And you said, many mighty movements are started by mothers in mourning. And that has certainly been true of you. So talk about the mighty movement that you've been a part of as a result of Allie's accident. Right. Well, um, that's been pretty mighty. Um, it was mighty to see what God did, yeah. <laughs> really. And um, as I said, when, when it happened, you know, we didn't know much about it at all. And we already felt in our hearts that something needed to be done to make the streets safer. So as soon as we found out our daughter wasn't at fault, especially, we wanted to connect with some street safety people in Boston. We, we, by then we traveled across the country and made it there and, and we're staying in her apartment, which just happened to be right across the road from the Capitol building in Massachusetts in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. And. We wanted to find the street safety people, but we had no idea how that was gonna, going to happen, where they were, or how to go about finding them. Sure. And I took a walk with my sister-in-law one day before she left Boston, and there's those very old, you picture the revolutionary period almost, uh, red brick buildings in the cobblestone streets, and we were walking along, and we knew the next day there would be a garden tour and she was going to be gone, and we were not going to go on the garden tour, though we would have loved it under normal circumstances. But right. grieving people, we didn't care to go. Yeah. But so she walks over to one of those houses and sticks her face up against the wall. There was a crack there where you could see back to the back of the house uh, along the outside. And she puts her face up there and she says, I think there's a garden back there. And sure enough, there was. And she asked the people, could we come back? And we went back. They invited us back. And I'm back there. And uh, we're appreciating the garden very much. And I happened to mention, do you know the girl that was killed by the duck boat? And, you know, almost everybody in Boston knew about that. Oh, in sure. fact, it made national news. So there's people all over the place that had heard about it. And uh, the lady said yes, and she proceeded to tell us about this bike rally that would be the next day at the city hall and um, about what time it would be. And so my husband and I went, and we were introduced to some people who introduced us to someone from the Boston Cyclist Union who were one of the groups involved in working on street safety in Boston. And, uh, you know, God works in amazing ways. You know, many mighty movements are started by mothers in mourning, especially if God is telling you and helping you, right? And so we'd gone, I'd woken up in the middle of the night one night, and 
I um, felt that God was telling me that we should go to city council, the Boston City Council, and, and talk to them about our daughter and what needed to be done. This is before we met with, um, probably met with the cyclist union. And um, I realized that this was summertime now, and they probably don't meet very often. And I wonder when they meet. So I started Googling in the night when they meet. And they were going to meet that very day. Wow. And so in the morning, I you know, woke up, talked to my husband, started contacting low-level council members in our district, and we were getting back from them, no, you can't come meet. I'm sorry, you know, we're sorry you can't come to the meeting. And so then God gave the idea, go to the top. And so we looked up who the president of city council was, and we uh, emailed her and called her pretty much simultaneously. And this is about 8.15 in the morning. And she said, we get about a 1,000 people ask us to come and speak to us every year. And we say no to almost everyone, but you can come. Oh, wow. And so, you know, it's just how God gives the idea. When God gives the idea, He's going to give you what you need to bring it forth, right? To yes. Make it happen. Yes. And so we went, and my husband had kind of a PowerPoint meetup that was on paper, and he explained, you know, they, of course, knew what had happened with our daughter. Everyone had heard about it, and they were very respectful, thankfully. But they weren't going to do anything about it. They, maybe they couldn't do anything about it. Mm. And so we were invited to go speak to the mayor, and we went to see mayor, and I think that was Mayor Walsh at the time, and he was not very respectful to us. Um, maybe it was my sensitivity, but he was kind of like, well, lots of people die, you know? Wow. And, uh, he was not going to do anything. He honestly, duck boats, those big, they're used for tours in Boston. So they're a big revenue generator. Sure. They're also used when the Patriots or the Celtics or whoever pro team wins a national series they shut down the city almost. They have a big parade. Everybody shows up almost. And the duck boats are taking, you know, there might be 12 duck boats going through the streets of Boston with the team members on there. And it's a big yeah. celebration party. They're loved, loved, loved in Boston. So to get any changes to those duck boats by the city, it became quite evident to us that was not going to happen, you know? Yeah. But one day, at, when we came home from the mayor's office, and we take off our good clothes, and we put on our, we check our email, and in the email it says it's from the lady from the Boston Bicycle Union, and she says we're going to have a meeting, and it's going to be at the library. Will you please come? And we had like hardly any time to get there by the time we saw that email we put our good clothes back yeah. on we didn't know if she wanted to speak or what she wanted us to do and we didn't know where the library was we figured that out i guess and we got an uber over there and we go to the meeting she didn't need us to speak and when we went to leave we ran into her and we said you know hi and we're going and and just then a man walks in and he looked like any man any bicycle rider off the street like nobody that you would think anything about, you know? Huh. 
And he walks up to her, happens to walk up to her, and she says to him, Senator Brownsberger, this is Martha and Ivan Warmoth, the girl who, the parents of the girl whose daughter was killed by the duck boat. Yeah. And he was, you know, gave us his condolences, of course, and he was asking us, would we like to meet with him the next week? And of course we wanted to meet with him. Sure. And so when we when we did, and my husband is now explaining again his paper PowerPoint about what needed to be done to make these duck boats safer, he asked for things that made sense. He said they should have cameras in the and sensors, like so many cars do nowadays. Yeah. They have cameras and sensors, so they'll react they'll beep or something if there's right. someone you know in what that might get hit he said that the driver should not be giving the tour and speaking they're turning their head they're talking they're pointing out things they're paying attention to who's on the duck boat to make sure everyone's safe and no children like i've seen children stand on the seat they could have fallen out the window the windows were open yeah and um, so he's making sure that all of this, the driver, the people are safe, giving this tour, the buildings and everything. This driver from the camera that was inside the duck boat, he almost never paid attention when he went through an intersection. He was always looking around, talking about his tour. Wow. So it wasn't a surprise that that happened. There was such, it was so unsafe. So... You know, my husband just explained, he just started in his talk about what needed to be done. He hadn't gotten very far at all. And I asked the senator, Senator, what do you think about all of this? And he said, let's do it. Wow. And I know you, that's significant in your story as well, <laughs> yes. isn't it, Jill? Yes, it <laughs> let's is. Let's do it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> when God puts it on your heart. And I'm thinking to myself, so, um, what, let's do what? Yeah. <laughs> what are we going to do? And he said to his aide, now you write it up, referring to write a bill, mm -hmm. and he'll get the co-sponsors, the senator bill, and we'll go from there. Well, the aide is now arguing with him. There is no time. The session, you know, this is mid-June. I think the formal session is over the end of July. There's all these bills. You know, we just don't have time for this right now. And the senator just ignored him and said, you write it up, and I'll get the co-sponsors. Wow. And um, there were many, many steps. And the reason that I'm so excited to be on this podcast today is that there's people that someone knows or that they themselves have had a situation where there needs to be change, and they would like to see this change. And I just am here to encourage you that if God's putting it on your heart to do something, to have the laws changed, or to work with the company, or to work through legal means to get it changed, however that looks like, that's nonviolent, I always say. Yes, <laughs> we don't right? want it. we don't want to do anything that wouldn't be legal or wouldn't yeah. be but if God's putting something on your heart to see there be change, um, I would encourage you 
step out. If it's for you to do, God will give you the ideas and he'll give you the ability and just trust him and thank him. I also ask people to pray for us. We always, you know, it was so important. That's the strength that we got. You know, people say, how do you do this? You know, your daughter just died. I mean, lots of people would ask me that. Yeah. How do you do this? this work for safety. And I would say, well, it's the people's prayers and God's help. Absolutely. And we honestly felt like we were little children. Like, you know how maybe a little child that's just learned to walk and it needs to hold on to the finger of the parent to get some balance. Yeah. We felt like we were little children. Just he was leading the way and we were just tottering along beside or behind him and we would just take one step at a time, you know. God's, God's amazing. And um, I think I have a verse to share. And it's Matthew 19, 26. And Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. And that, that was, is so true, right? There's so many things. I can tell you, people told me, uh, the Na- National Transportation Board, there was someone that told me, you don't understand, she said, when our bill passed, because it didn't pass right then, but later on it did. That same year, within seven months, it passed, and the governor signed it in the mid-December of 2016. Wow. And um, this person said to me, you don't understand. This just doesn't happen. Yeah. There are people that have perfectly good bills, and someone, one person will vote against it because they're, you know, upset or whatever. said, but I always trusted God. I wasn't worried about whether it was going to happen. I thought, if it doesn't happen through us, you know, with this work that, Senator Brownsberger was doing and our support of it. God will bring about change with these duck boats in some other way. It yeah. might not be a bill, but I know the streets will be safer. And I would say that too. God showed me to be, to thank them ahead of time. And so if I spoke to anybody, I would, you know, we went to see a representative or a senator or speaker of the house or whatever. When we left, I would thank them for helping to make the streets safer. And God showed me to do that. He also gave me like the rose-colored glasses that my daughter always looked through. She always looked at life so positively. And so I would see the good in life. I would encourage other grieving people, if you can, somehow ask God to help you see the good, like, it's that old story about the rose bush. The rose bush has roses, and it also has thorns. And we can just focus on our loss. We can focus on how terrible it is and all the aspects of it. Or we can find something good to be thankful for. In my loss, I, you almost don't remember you have other children. You know, You're so focused on what you have lost, that that's just all-encompassing. Sure. And um, but a lot of 
some people have other children or they have somebody that needs you. Yes. And if not now, in the future. So I love what you say, that grief does get better. It does get better. Hang in there. You know, there's going to be a brighter day. It takes time, doesn't it, Jill? Yes. More time than you ever would have thought. But it does get there. You do get there. I love what you just said about just seeing the good. You know, I think early on in our grief, there's we just can't see because there there is no good. Um, or we that's there, but we can't see it. And now, you know, that's just something. Again, giving it to God and and trying to see the goodness of God in our grief, then we're able to we're able to see those good things eventually. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um this verse fits in here right now, but I just really wanted to share it. Absolutely. You know, God doesn't get promise us a perfect world, does He? No. He doesn't promise us that nothing bad will ever happen. I mean, something, even for His own Son. Yeah. You know, I really appreciated what that meant for Him to allow His Son to die for us. Yes. When, after my daughter died, I mean, that's huge, right? Yes. In John 16.33, it talks about, I have told you these things so that in me you have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Yeah, what an amazing promise that is. You know, it says right in there, we will have trouble, but that he has overcome it. And uh, what a what a wonderful promise that is. Right. He walks with us. Yes, he walks with us for sure. I think that may be a good scripture to end with. It just kind of fits the theme of what we've been talking about this this whole time. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that's just on your heart that you want to share before we close? I just want to um, thank you again for the ministry. And I know you're not the only one doing it, but your team and yourself. Like, you do everything with excellence. The refuge, if people come to it, I'm just amazed at how beautiful and how everything is so excellently done. And the thousands of people that you're helping in grief, you know, and I hope that people do, are able as they feel it's appropriate, maybe to connect with each other and get the encouragement they need. And then you also have the book, resource on your Facebook page. I don't know if it's on it anywhere else people can get. It talks about helpful books. Yes. Um, they even got, I don't know if you still do this, but I got a box of, um, uh, what would you say, something to encourage me Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that had verses and a little vase for tears <laughs> and, <laughs> right. and different things. Um mm-hmm early on and uh there's there's just it's just so amazing and and it's wonderful how it's branched out and people are doing the groups in different states and so god's just really blessing it and i know it's not a big fundraiser for in your pocket at all you do so much of this is just by fundraising to cover cost and, and the retreats are free, you know, so 
I, I think that it's amazing how kind you've been to um, listen to God and, and move forward. You just did it, right? Let's just do it. <laughs> <laughs> and you've honored your daughter so well. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, on that, look, just do it that or let's do it. That's the first conversation that my husband and I had with our partners in this ministry. We told them about this idea and this concept. And these folks who we were meeting for the very first time looked at us and said, well, let's do it. <laughs> and so that was the day that while we're waiting was born. And so, yeah, let's do it is kind of a, an important little phrase to us, too. Um, it's just, you know, an example of whatever God calls you to do, we all need to be willing to be able to say, okay, let's do it. And it may be something as small as sending somebody a text message or sending them an encouraging card or telling them about while we're waiting, or maybe it is having a scholarship fund in our child's memory or starting a ministry or working to um, improve laws for safety. So somebody else's, uh, so another family doesn't have to go through what you've gone through. Whatever it is God's calling you to do, whether it's something big or something that may seem very small, I think it's just up to us to say, okay, let's do it. And then when we say that, he gives us the strength that we need to do it. He equips us. Because I, if you had told me, you know, Hannah's been, um, it'll be 13 years this Saturday since Hannah went to heaven. If you had told me 13 years ago that I would be doing this today, I would have said, no way. There's no way. But God has given given us the strength and he has equipped us to allow us to do this. And it has been truly the biggest blessing of our lives. So we are just grateful. I'm grateful for you guys. Thank you so much, Jill. Well, thank you. And thank you for being willing to come on the podcast today and, and share Allie's story and just all these wonderful tips that you gave us today. Um, I know that people can listen to this and just pick out some things that are going to be so helpful and beneficial for them. Um, and then also for sharing your story of just the mighty movement that God has enabled you and equipped you to be a part of. So thank you so much for our conversation over the last two episodes. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please take just a moment to leave a rating or a review, and please feel free to share it with someone you know who might be helped by it. We're so grateful for all of you who come back and listen every week, and those of you who may be listening for the very first time. I hope God has used it to encourage you today and to help you live well while you're waiting.